Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Is it good to be seen this morning? Amen. Some of you are like, man, I'm barely here. Well, welcome. We're glad you're here with us. My name is Raul Figueroa. I'm one of the pastors here. Well, I'm glad to be able to share with you this morning. Um, this is the second week of Hope Has Come, um, uh, just a series that we were on last week. And so today is the culmination of that as we kind of lean into the Christmas season, Christmas being next Sunday. And so um, last week we covered the idea that Jesus is hope and that he, he changes everything, amen? That his perspective changes everything, that hope is a great encourager in our day-to-day lives. It gives us the ability to understand that our life can have a future of promise and a clearer path. Uh, it simply means a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. We hold on to hope to see us through the difficult times and to give us a vision of better things to come. Hope is a powerful thing, amen? And what we talked about last week, we talked about the ideas we're celebrating this time of the year. We are celebrating that Jesus' arrival and that he is hope, amen? That, that, his, that his arrival came and changed everything. And so um, I, I want to lean into that a little bit, and, and especially with the idea that, that hope is a, is a key element in our day-to-day life and is necessary, and as believers that we've been imparted something that we can lay hold of and stand on, and, and simply in a nutshell to that, in Jeremiah 29, 11, Scripture says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. We know that that word was given to the nation of Israel in a time um, of distress and of needing a word and encouragement, and the Lord provided that. But, but in Christ, we see that that word translates forward to us, amen? And so, as an idea that God has a plan and he has a purpose for us, and it's a good one. I was thinking about this idea that Jesus is hope, and that his arrival changes everything. And last week we talked about uh, the idea and the condition of humanity and the state of the human condition of needing a rescuer, needing a savior, needing one who could rescue us from our sin nature and provide a way that we can be made right with God so we can have relationship with him. That was the, the, the crux of last week, all of those things. And I was thinking about when, when Christ arrives to our life, or when we find him, he finds us, however you want to phrase that, and we give our life to him and yield to that, what begins to happen with the idea that Jesus, we've received the free gift, something begins to change. A a transaction has happened where we've traded our life for his, um, our nature for his nature, and something begins to happen. And so I was thinking um, and thinking through this this arrival of the Christ child, you know, 2,000 years ago, the impact and the promises and what was foretold, and even the idea and the implications about what happened to us on the inside, not simply that we are now in relationship with God, but how that translates through our perspective in life as we journey through 
the healing of what it means to be human. And so I'm just going to illustrate this for you a little bit. How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, glass half full? How many of you have ever heard the phrase, glass half empty? Th- those phrases tend to, tend to talk about the idea of our perspective of the world, our perspective of our daily life, our perspective of the idea of what we just heard. And, and if you really know yourself, you can kind of put a finger on which way you tend to lean. Some of us in this room lean towards a glass half full, so to speak. Come on, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, yeah, I tend to see things, you know. I, I can, I, I, positive light, I can interpret things in a way that would tell me, okay, it's going to be okay, and I can see through that. A lot of the time, I tend to take that approach. I lean into that, just natural. I'm like, well, it's not as bad. Could be worse. You know, here I am. Thank you, Lord. But this is, you know, and then other times I find myself in the glass half full camp. Like, oh, man. This is terrible. And some people have a natural tendency to lean into, into either of these two. I mean, you land in one or the other. Typically, it's like perspective, it's worldview, it's, and it's how we translate information. Not only that, but think about our journey through life. From, 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 from a little child, an infant little child, all of the life experiences and, and the caretaking that did or didn't happen and the experiences with family and your own expectations and hope and, and what that meant and the journey through life to get you to the place where you now sit today. You are the culmination of those experiences, those words, those, those actions. Just think about this. So it's life, it's our perspective, it's something happened. And now Jesus has arrived on the scene. He's, 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 he's come through and he's intervened on God's request. He's, he's reached out and joined us in this humanity. He's provided a way that we could be rescued and redeemed and healed and made whole. And that journey isn't just about our salvation. Come on, somebody. It isn't about just getting you to heaven. It is about God's kingdom arriving here on earth and moving through us to others. But did you catch the through us? Something has to happen here so that it can happen out here. And so when we think about this idea that about Christ has come, the promised one, the Messiah, the deliverer, the rescuer, the redeemer, it isn't just this, oh, this thought, where is is it? I'm saved. It's, It's a tangible thing that begins to happen in us because we have embraced him. We know him. He's working in and through us. I want to read in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans about leaning into the scriptures that were written so that we can pull out of it the promises of God and the expectation of what was to happen. Are are you catching like posture about leaning into the scriptures? Lord, what what have you sung? What what, what have you said? What's the story? What's what's happening? What do we draw from? Points towards Christ's arrival 
And his arrival changed everything. And then we lean into the idea after that, 2,000 years later, we're recipients of that story. And we're looking forward to the day that he is going to return again. Amen? Amen. And that he is here working with us and is made a way. God offers hope through his written word, through the encouragement of other believers, through his written word, encouragement of other believers, and the faithfulness of God's promises coming true, whether we see them in the moment or not. I can't tell you how critical it is for believers to dive in to the scriptures. Like, it is the way that we know about Jesus. It is the way that we lean into to know the character and nature of God. It's the, it's the rule and meter that we would use when we, when we hear things and when we feel like the Spirit's leading us to, to contrast against the Word of God to say, Lord, does this line up with who you are? Is it what you're doing today? Speak to us. What is the Scripture saying to us? I want to encourage you in that. Also, the encouragement of other believers I appreciate the testimony that Glenn shared. I appreciate hearing that God is on the move around the world, amen? Amen. That that there are people who love God and are seeking him and want everything that the scripture says is ours. We are a people like that too, amen? Amen. And so hearing that encourages me and I'm, and I'm strengthened. I'm like, oh yeah, even when I maybe, maybe have waned or forgotten, I am encouraged. Maybe I believe again. Maybe, maybe that was, was what once happened went dormant and now because of encouragement from other believers, I am re-encouraged, I am encouraged, I am strengthened, I can listen to what God's doing in people. I appreciate that he even talked about inner healing in that prayer request, and we'll get to that in a little bit. In the book of Romans, God talks about helping the weak and to be patient, not lose faith or or hope. This is for us. We can pull from that. And you know, the human experience is is a journey, and and, and it's it's almost at times some an assault against the idea of faith and hope, like the looking forward to a better day, the expectation that it's going to change, and that I'm not just stuck here permanently in this situation. See, in Romans fifteen thirteen again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are are you seeing the theme in Paul's encouragement? Something about getting a hold of the idea of who God is and what he does so that you can be overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just think about that, overflowing. Have Have you ever met people who are overflowing with hope? It's so refreshing. <laughs> I mean, it's really refreshing. Somebody who overflows with hopes has the ability to just reach into the, that place and maybe in conversation or, or prayer, you're hanging out and they can just pull you up. Like, like they're speaking words of life to you and over you. They're, they're, they're encouraging, bring that little perspective change or giant perspective change. And sometimes it can be really annoying. Especially if you just want to wallow there, or stay there, right? You're just looking for that, that long empathy or sympathy or just something. You're just like, oh no, why don't you just join me? And you know what? There are moments for that. Believers coming alongside other believers and entering in their grief. That's real, folks, and we probably don't do that enough. 
We can say we don't do that enough. But, but to have people around who overflow with hope, who, who can speak into your situation and say, you know, God hasn't left you. He hasn't forgotten you. And there are promises in his word. I'm just going to read them to you right now. Powerful. Powerful. They're, they're, like, they're like the buoys in the ocean that always just whoosh, stay. No matter what waves come, they're, I'm like, wow. Wow. Hope. Godly hope comes from God. And Jesus is hope. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. See, Apostle Paul reminding the Christians in Rome, hope, 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 hope. Stay in that, in that groove and request and, and lean into the idea that, God, you are my sustenance. I look to you, God of hope, being in that appeal place and relationship and knowing that he is the giver of hope. Amen? Now, Hebrews chapter 11, 1 says, Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When we read through the essence of scripture, when we read the words on the pages, we, 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 we hear the stories, we, we, we can absorb the stories, and we begin to comprehend the stories, but I don't know anyone who's met Jesus in person. I don't know about you. Anyone. I didn't, 2,000 years ago is a long time. But here's what I do know. The scriptures stand on their own. And as I read the stories and I look at the people and I see the divine interventions through the book, and then 2,000 years ago, Christ came, changed everything. And today I see, because of that, lives interrupted and lives transformed, amen? Like you are a picture here this morning of the scriptures played out in real time. Think about this. Think about this. Your life is a testimony. Your life is a testimony. You are working out what Jesus said he would do. You're working this out. And now, now for many of us, it can be a struggle. Like the Lord's getting after stuff and, and the Holy Spirit's moving. He's pointing at stuff. And, and it's like, oh. And, and the truth is, is some of us are more messed up than others. Nervous chuckle. <laughs> no one wants to admit it, but you know what? It's the human condition. It's the human condition. And just think about this idea that Jesus came. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Just think, think of it. Have it abundantly? Like, Jesus interrupts the moment. It's like he stops the story and he begins to rewrite the script of our lives. I don't know why I'm texting. <laughs> Rewrites. It's 2,000 years ago, that's what they had to do, right? right. He begins to rewrite. Just pick somebody and he just, look at yourself and in the moment of, of the interaction with Jesus and then from there he begins to rewrite an encounter with him. All of a sudden, perspective change because you've encountered 
Christ. I don't know if it happened to anyone else, but it happened to me. Like all of a sudden, I was lost and now I'm found. Like all, all of a sudden, something begins to, begins to move and churn in our lives. God's wisdom and understanding is given to us so that we can walk in faith and hope in God's promises. See, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, last week we talked about 700 years ago, the prophet um, Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah, and he said, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, Majestic Titles are him. Come on, somebody. Jesus is those names. Like this counter thing. So when we think about the idea that Jesus is hope, think that he is the wonderful counselor. That he is mighty God. That he is everlasting father. And that he is the prince of peace. You see, Jesus is hope. And his hope changes everything. Hope has an influence. It affects everything and everyone with with when he resides. Jesus is hope. In Matthew 4, 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We talked about this last week a little bit. I want to lean into this idea a little more. How many of you have ever experienced light Coming on in a dark place. Come on, it's just in the natural, like, oh, light happened. Ever, ever see the sunrise? Right? Like, just on a base level. Ever flick on a flashlight in a dark room? Light has a powerful effect. Powerful effect. I've told this story before. I've told it of me hunting several years ago, maybe more than a decade ago now. I was hunting, and I woke up one morning. I was in a camp tent, and all these were all sleeping. We're getting ready. You know how, you know what happens when you wake up? Just like you're in a cot, and the wood stove went out, and it's minus ten. You're like, I don't want to get up. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to do this today. I'm a weekend hunter. I'm going to do this. You know. So I put on my stuff, grab my stuff, and I get to hiking. And it was snowing. And I start to walk, and I'm moving, and, I, and a couple hours later, I'm down the valley, up the valley, down the valley, up the valley, down, and I find the spot, and I'm there. And I'm sitting there, and I'm scoping things out and looking around, and I don't see anything all day. That's not the point, though. And then all of a sudden, it begins to get dark, and I realize, I got to go back. And this is this is, you know, this, the sun is, is, is going down earlier and, and it's snowing out and the wind begins to blow and I am surrounded by trees except I'm on this little perch and, and all of a sudden my own mind starts to play fear on me. I don't know about you, you know, but I was alone. The wind is blowing. It sounds like the ocean is raging. It's snowing. It starts to get dark. I'm sitting on this ledge. I'm like, I got to get back. So I begin to walk. Finally, the sun goes down, and it's black. 
and I'm walking over one hill into the valley. Over the next hill, one hour goes by, two hours go by, three hours go by, four hours go by. I don't know about you, but uh, the woods alone can be a scary place in my head. And I'm walking and I'm realizing, Raul, you may be lost. But don't stop. Get to the next highest place and look around. And the hours continue to go by and I realize, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like at the, you're ready to just sit down and think, okay, I probably should sleep somewhere because this is bad. I climb to the next ridge and I smell campfire and I see a dim light off in the distance. And how many of you know, when I saw that light, it was like I just started hiking. Man, I am going to make it right to that place. I am going to get no matter what. And, and, and a while later, I arrived, shortly after midnight. And I'm going to tell you, when you think about moments like that, you have your own story. You have your own story of the time that funds needed to arrive or it's going to be bleak, and they arrived. You were hoping that it would make it, or you had you have the story of a situation where you needed an answer, and in the last moment, an answer came. It's like a light in the darkness, like hope, an answer to a situation. You see, when Jesus came, he didn't just come to bridge the gap of relationship with God and forgive us of our sins. That relationship begins to work in our lives and begins to provide perspective change. And I want to talk in the few moments I have left about that. Perspective change. You wouldn't believe the kind of conversations us pastors have with people about people who've lost perspective about what it means to be in Christ. The power of the written word in scripture overlaid on our life and leaning into that more than we would lean into our past experience or the words that have been spoken over us or the actions done to us. Like Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to bring hope and to bring life. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about that. So first when I was thinking about perspective changes, I, I want to tell you that God loves you and approves of you. And just think about this. Think about the words or the things that have ever played out to show you that you were not enough or that you're not approved of or that God, there's no way that his, his, his grace and mercy could flow to you. And Titus chapter three, verse seven says, so that, be, that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, like God's provision is yours. You're not rejected. That's, that, you're not rejected, like God loves you. He knew you, and when you were an enemy of his, he made a way anyways, he initiated. We talked about that last week, but, but in Christ, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God loves you. Perspective is everything. His first position is about running towards you to encounter you. He loves you. He made a way so that you can have relationship with him. I love this idea. Because of that, you have a place. And what I mean by that is you are a son or daughter of the king. Think, of, think about this. Son or daughter of the king. You know how many people in life we talk to that don't yet understand that they have a place? Like you, you are a son of, child of God, daughter of God. You belong. You are in the family. This is like your people. If you have a relationship with God, think about, look around here. These are your peoples. Some of you are afraid to look around. <laughs> this is your peoples with whatever that means. Jesus is on the move, knitting people into relationship, getting to know people, bringing them in. You have a place. I, I, I think about this story, and I just share a few stories from me. It's not about me, but years ago, a long time ago, never was connected with my father's side of the family. And through one of my aunts on my mother's side, began to dialogue, and I really had a longing inside of me to meet anyone from my dad's side of the family. So years ago, I don't even know how many, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I borrowed somebody's minivan, and we made arrangements. We're going to drive to Southern California. And my father's side of the family, an aunt, some aunts had agreed to meet me. Deep longing to know that I belonged or I was part. I bear this name, but what does that mean? Who is that? So we drove. The little money I had, we took. And we drove to Southern California. And my aunts, we stayed in my aunts, in my aunt's house on my mother's side. And then the next morning, we made arrangements. They were texting back and forth. Yes, it's time to go. So we loaded up. It's only like a five or six minute drive. We drove over. And when we drove over to the house, the arrangements were made. They had responded. We pull up. Everybody's waiting in the van in front of the house. And they're like, there you go. So I get out of the van. I'm alone. And I walk up the driveway and to the door. And I am nervous as all get up. I don't know what to expect. And no one answers. I knock again. And no one answers. I am reeling. I just took my family 1,200 miles to go see and find answers to the issues of my own heart. Am I a son? Do I belong? Which name do I carry? And nothing. So I hear some noise. It sounds like in the backyard. And I walk around the side of the house. And I lean in. And there's a man watching TV outside. And I wave, and he waves back. And in broken, broken English, he says, um, I don't know. Phone, answer, and then hurry, hurry, leave. And they left. I never did get to meet anyone from that side of the family on that trip or since then. And so the next morning, I loaded up my family, and we drove home. California's a long ways from here. 
1,200 miles provides a lot of time of self-introspection. While my family is sleeping and I'm driving, my kids are in the back, I simply am asking, Lord, who am I? I need your, I need your words, and I need it now. How many of you know Jesus is hope? And while I'm driving in that van on my way home in the middle of nowhere, he simply said, and I heard, you're my son. And that family you have back home called your church, those are your people. And as soon as I heard that, and I knew, thank you, Lord, what happened in me? Perspective change, a fresh word, something that began to stir in me that told me, wow, God, you are a God who changes lives. It's what you do. It's what you do. You are valuable. That God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, it's God as the creator. Everything about this, it's the creator who imputes value to the creation, right? Like you make this thing, it's a widget or this thing, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. Somebody comes along, hey, trade for that, what is that? And you're like, I, I'll trade for that. You put a value on it. You do the thing. You, you look through scripture and you see that God has placed a high value on his creation. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, the highest value. You're, you're, you're valuable. I just want to remind you that as a person, you have value. You, you carry it with you. It's not because of your accomplishments. It's not, it's not because of how, how talented you, you may think you are or not. It's, it's that you were born and have intrinsic value. God speaks that over you, that you have value. And that you were loved by God. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Here's the, here's the, 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 the net result of, of being loved by God. It, it should speak to you of value that you are also lovable. Just, just think about this. Think about this in a minute. Like God loves you. He says with highest authority, I love you. Think about your walk through this earth. You are lovable. God loves you. You're lovable. Like, you're, you're, you're lovable. You're not, you're, not just re, you're not rejected. You're not an outcast. You are lovable. And some of you need to hear the word, that, that you, you, the capacity and the desire to be, to be known and to know and to, to interact in a way that would, would have tangible meaning to relationships, that you would be reminded you are loved. And because he loves you means that you are lovable. I mean, that's like deep, deep. Jesus came to bring hope and to change, change things. Even before he made the world, in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. 
This is what he wanted to do. And hear this, hear this. It brought, it gave him great pleasure. New Living Translation. It gave him great pleasure to do the thing and offer his son for you. To bring forgiveness to the world. And bridge the gap in relationship with himself for us. Think about this. He chose to do it. It gives him great pleasure to do it. You are forgiven as a people. So go ahead and forgive yourself. You know how many people carry carry that? What we're saying. Oh, holy night, the stars are shining. Hope. 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 This is the day of, like hope. We are celebrating the birth of Christ, the one who who made a way, the one who makes all things new. You're forgiven. You have relationship. You have light. You're you're a people who are, are knitted in that you are talented and, and, and worthy to fulfill the mission of God in your life, but creativity that flows through you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives, gives life. Do you know what happens when Jesus begins to work in you? And all of a sudden, that testimony begins to brew and move and, and things begin to change. And that next time you come across somebody who is in a different situation and the words come out of your mouth, it can change. Jesus is hope. Let me tell you my story. Boom. You are doing what you've been called to do and sharing the gospel message with people who need a word of hope. Amen? Like you have it in you. God's called you. You're talented. You're beloved. You're beloved. People in this room that are way smarter than I am. The grasp realities about things that I, I would never, you'd have to sit and just explain it to me and at some point it'd be like, I just need an ice cream right now. <laughs> Whatever your go-to is, insert that. There, there are some of you that have great abilities and know God on deeper ways than maybe I'll never know. I'd love to sit around you and just participate with just the spirit that comes off of you because the words you share are birthed and experience and walking with him and are, are deep. Yeah, I want, I want that to be the company around me. Like I want to, you know, and then anyone else can draft with us and we can grow together, right? Come on. The, 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 this is the word of the Lord for you. Like, like Jesus' blood speaks a better word and it's life than the blood of Abel, which demanded justice and condemnation. Like, Jesus is hope. And when we celebrate this season, celebrate the gift of life in him, but celebrate the gift of life, right? Like with who I am and and the scars that we might bear and the experiences that we carry because it's proof to a world that Jesus is the way maker and he's the hope giver and he is the one that can heal and renew 
and restore. So would you stand with me? Maybe you're here this morning and you've really struggled with the idea of hope or that things can change or that you're just a product of your environment and that's always the way it will be. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not the final word over your life. Scripture shows us that the final word is a word of hope. It's a word of future. It's a word of healing and of renewing and of embracing the God of hope. Amen. Be blessed. See you Wednesday for our Christmas service at 7 p.m. Amen. Amen. Oh, amen. Amen.